Well, I've, I've been learning some things about myself uh, this past year. Um, I talk a lot and think a lot about forgiveness. And um, usually when I think about that, it's the big things. You know, the major offenses. The, the people who do you wrong that, that live inside your head and you can't live very well during the day. They upset you emotionally. You know, that kind of thing. And, and that's where I usually think about it. But... Some recently happened this year that kind of triggered me to think, like, time out, wait, there's another level of offense. There's, like, major league offenders, and there's, like, minor league offenders. And I found myself, when I, that, that I talk about something from the past that wasn't a big deal, but I'd get too upset. And every time I talked about that thing, I found myself getting upset. And I, after it happened a little bit this past year, I thought, you know, I think I need to do some forgiveness, that I'm hanging on to these, these events from the past that I shouldn't. And so I decided, you know, Lord, show me, you know, like, why, why am I still upset about my high school basketball coach? That's like 40 years ago. You know, the, he didn't stop me from getting into the NBA. I stopped me from getting the NBA. I wasn't good enough. You know, what was I thinking? Um, and then, and then, and then recently my wife, uh, she took a class on preaching and she had this book, uh, that was so good. She says, she's reading me things from this book on preaching and communication. And I'm like going, okay, you're on an online, you're, this is online class that you're taking. I went to a major, really good seminary and your book's a lot better than my book was. I mean, the book that I had on communication and preaching to me was practically worthless. And you have this book. It's like, I wish I would have had your book. And I'm upset at the professor in seminary for not giving me this book, which wasn't even written at that time. And I, I, need, to, I need to start cleaning things out. I need to deal with those things that are minor offenses in my life. You know, and there's that prayer, that, that line at the end of Psalm 139. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So, Lord, I've been praying, Lord, what is offensive inside of me? What keeps coming up in front of my, my mind that needs to be cleansed? And so I, I've been working on that. It's been a great process. I'm thinking I want to go into these years that I have. I want to get to the point where I have nothing against anyone ever in, that, who hurt me in my past. I want the closet to be completely cleaned out. So what about you? Do you have any people living in your head from the past? Situations that you still get upset about. And you're wondering, what do I do about this? Or you just don't, you know, maybe there's some the major offenders that you're still struggling with. Um, you know, a lot of, you can look at that and you can think, that's a hard thing to have to go through as a human being. Why do we have to have people who mess us up and get in our way and frustrate our plans? They come in and they, they make it so that we can't get a promotion at work. Or they maybe steal the, the guy or the gal that we loved and they got, they got taken away by that person. Um, they do something to, to frustrate you and upend you. Mess up your finances in some way. That's just a hard thing to deal with as a human being. But think about this. It's actually those people in those situations... That God says are going to take us to the pinnacle of love. 
There's a whole new way of thinking about this, and there's actually some really good news in this. And in fact, you and I cannot meet, we cannot reach where we need to go as human beings if we don't have people in our lives who get in our way and frustrate us and do us wrong. Did you know that? You cannot get there. You actually have to have those people. So let me read this scripture. I remember you know, hearing this years ago and just saying, oh, oh, I do not like that. Sure, this is for a few Navy SEAL-like Christians. This is for the few and the proud. This is not for normal, ordinary followers of Christ. This is too much Jesus. That is, that is unrealistic that you would actually say that to us. So here's what he says, and he says it early in his ministry. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, does that last line kind of mess you up a little bit? You mean you want me to be perfect like God? How's that supposed to happen? What does he mean by perfect? A lot of it has to do with how we understand, understanding truly what he's talking about when he thinks about perfection because there's two different, idea, there's different ideas we have about that. He's not talking about, and I've said this before, so let's refresh. He's not talking about being flawless, that you always say the right thing, that you always dress the best way, you always have a pepsodent white smile, your hair's always in place. He's not talking about that. When he talks about perfection, he's using a word that refers to maturity and completeness. He's talking about what is our end as human beings. Our end is to become like our Father in heaven. What is our Father in heaven like? He actually loves his enemies. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And he he lets the sun shine on the righteous and the unrighteous as well. Both of those are good things. He sends it on everybody. God loves his enemies. And he said, Jesus is saying, if you're going to be like your Father in heaven, you have to love your enemies. So, and that, when you do that, you are being perfect. You are being the person for, for whom God created you to be. So, while the call to be perfect may seem impossible and vague, it's neither one of those things. It's not vague because it's specifically about loving your enemies. When you think about being perfect, think about loving your enemies first because that's the context that he's referring to. It. And it's not impossible... Because Jesus did it. Jesus loved his enemies. We say, how did he love his enemies? Well, remember when they were killing him on the cross? They beat him to a bloody pulp. And then they nailed him to a cross. And what did he say? Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. Well, you say, well, Jesus was God. Yes. That's why he was able to do that. Because the father loves his enemies. So in the worst moment, in the most agonizing moment, Jesus is actually doing what he told us to do in the Sermon on the Mount. Now stay with me. Because somebody else did it. 
shortly after Jesus died on the cross. The very first martyr was named was Stephen. A martyr is somebody who is a witness, and, and it became to know somebody who dies for their witness. So Stephen is being stoned to death. And it says before he's being stoned to death that he was full of the Holy Spirit. So Stephen is full of the Holy Spirit and while they're throwing rocks at him and he's falling to the ground, he says, Father, do not hold it against them. Why was Stephen able to to forgive and love his enemies in that moment? Because the Spirit of Jesus was living in him. And when the Spirit of Jesus is in us, He comes out and enables us and empowers us to love our enemies. It showed up in Jesus on the cross. It showed up on Stephen. So again, you know, that command looks impossible on the surface. But God does not. But here's the thing. God never expected us to go it alone. We see it being played out in the first follower, the first witness. And because he was full of the spirit of Jesus. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't do anything. We can't bear fruit apart from him. We have to be connected. And that includes love like Jesus. We cannot be aware of other people. Folks, how many many people do you think you missed this past week? You missed God was doing something out there. And you missed him. Preoccupied, thinking about our own self, uh, shy, kind of withdrawn. And God is stirring out there. He's moving and he's prompting. How many times do we miss those opportunities because we're not tuned in? I think it's a lot. I think it's a lot. We cannot be approachable without the spirit of Jesus living inside of us. We've been talking about loving like him. We can't do that because we tend to be so judgmental and condemning. We can't be graceful if we don't have the grace of God working in our lives. We can't be bold with the truth. I mean, you go on Facebook, social media, anywhere. You listen to the news, you watch. You know, I've been, I've been so surprised by how, you know, I, I've just been a sports lover my whole life. But the more that I watch these sports stars, I see how they cave into social pressure. This incident with China and the NBA. And man, oh no, we're going to lose a lot of money if we say anything against the communist regime. We say that they're, they're committing human rights abuses. You know, this general manager of the Houston Rockets said that. And he got into all this trouble. And the, and the China wants to kick the NBA out. And there goes 1.4 billion customers to buy Nike tennis shoes and paraphernalia. And all of a sudden, the NBA zips their lip. They cower before China. Wow. Interesting. That's not the spirit of Jesus. The spirit of Jesus will make somebody bold with the truth. So we can't do that. We need to have his strength to give us a backbone. In those times when God is calling us to say something hard, we can't be self-giving because we're we're selfish people by nature. The spirit of Jesus is not selfish. The spirit of Jesus is looking out. He gets out of itself. And when he's living inside of us, he compels us to do something for other people. So here's the scripture that's so key in this. Whenever, in fact, whenever we talk about how do you live the Christian life, what's key is what I'm going to talk about right now. This is massive. If you want to understand how Paul was the man that he was, or John was the man that he was, or Peter, it's these truths that they spoke. John said this, If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. 
What's the key? Acknowledging that Jesus is the Son of God. Here's what Paul said. This is Colossians. God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of, his, of this mystery, which is Christ in you. In. That's the key word, that preposition, the place. What's the position, the place of the Spirit or God? In. Inside. Not out. Not around. In. And then he says in Philippians 2.13, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So it's not all this, just this grunting and, and grinding our teeth and setting our job. I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. It is about God actually doing an inside job inside of us, coming in and altering the way we think, altering our desires, working in our will to make us wanting to do and, and act according to his good purposes. The key word is in. You know, Christianity is unlike any other religion in the world. No other religion in the world has the founder of the religion living inside of the followers. Buddha does not live inside of Buddhists. Muhammad does not live inside of Muslims. But Jesus lives inside of Christians. Folks, this is a wonderful, amazing, awesome truth. Jesus, the Spirit of God living inside of us. It's mystical. Like, what's that feel like? It's, but it's real. And it's essential. You know, all the good advice in the world can't get us to be loving people. That's where so much of the stuff in our culture is never going to work. People, you know, protesting and all that stuff. Be more this way. Be that. Be that. Be that. You know why it doesn't happen? Because we're dealing with sinful hearts. You're not dealing, you got to have a power inside to change. Until people figure that out, it's not going to happen. And they're just going to be frustrated, frustrated, frustrated. And it's going to go to no end. So what can we do to invite Jesus to live in us so that we can love like him? I'm going to give you three things that you can do to open your heart up to be living regularly in Jesus, in his spirit. Just three words. First one is ask. Ask him. Let's read what Jesus said here. If you then, though you are evil, know how to good gifts, gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Well, that sounds so easy, doesn't it? Just make a request. Holy Spirit, God, would you give me your spirit? Fill me today with your spirit. Live in me. Something as simple as that, combined with faith. You know, there might be things in your life. Where, remember, he's the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes out, he flushes our system. He gets rid of the dirt. He gets rid of the filth. He gets rid of the sin. He gets rid of the darkness. He gets rid of the garbage. So, if you, you know, there's this like you can't, with the Holy Spirit coming in, there has to be something going out. Jesus, so Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians, I think, First or Second Corinthians, I forget where it is exactly. Second Corinthians six, he says, "What what fellowship do light and darkness have with each other? They don't. When the light comes in, the darkness flees. And so we've got to be saying, Lord, be willing to, Lord, cleanse me. If there's something that needs to be flushed out of my system, drive it out. Come in, Holy Spirit. That's number one. Number two is obey Jesus. Obey." 
Let's read these two verses. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. So did you see that if you love me, you will keep my commands? And what follows after that, an advocate, the Holy Spirit, comes to be with us forever. The spirit of truth. So it's it's following the commands. Second one. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. So we keep the commands of God. He lives in us. What's the next thing Jesus is asking you to do? Do you have a sense of what he's telling you to do? It could be anything. This is, don't make this too big in your head. You know, like, He's telling me to go to, to Africa and be a missionary. He's telling me to build a hospital in Santa Rosa for, you know, I mean, some huge project. Make it something like, um, what about your, if you're married? Does your spouse ever have any complaints about what you, things you do? Like, uh, guys, you leave your socks on the floor and don't put them in the hamper. Um, you don't, you don't, um, put the dishes in the dishwasher, um, you know, little things like that. Have you ever thought that the Holy Spirit would say, you know, you need to start listening to your wife. Just do it. Just do it. Or ladies, the Lord may be saying, you know what? I know what your husband is doing there is he's, he needs some work there. But I don't want you to tell him to do that. That's going to be my job. So I need you to hold your tongue. And I want you to respect and honor your husband. We're just going to deal with this. I mean, we need to do, there's, there's little things that happen in my life all the time. I'll give you a couple of examples this week. Um, what was the Spirit doing? Um, I felt the Spirit saying, you need to go and invite, um, give a pamphlet to the Harvest Fest or the Fun Fest to Brookhill. Okay, I hope it's not too soon to ask them to come, or I'm, you know, but but I did, and you know what? The receptionists were very warm. I could tell they're not suspicious of me because I've been there multiple times. They were trusting. It's like this is this was right. This was the right timing. I was wondering if it was the right timing, but I sensed God just say go. Okay, and then Friday morning I did something. You know, I, I parted from my wife. In, I just kind of neglected something. In leaving for the day. And as I left the house, I was thinking about it. I was at the gym and I was thinking, God was like saying, you need to text her and apologize. And so the first thing I came into the office, I texted, hey, I'm sorry about that glitch, you know, and I hope things are going well in the morning. And and, and you know what? I, I didn't ask her yet, but it sure helped me a lot. Did it help you? It did help her. Okay, good. So, you know what would have happened if I had not listened to that voice? I would have been disturbed all day. Donna would have been disturbed all day, probably, but I know I would have been. All for no reason. And that's the way the Holy Spirit works. It's in these very ordinary, common things that enable us to love and care for each other. And to recognize each other's needs and saying, I'm not, I'm submitting myself 
to what the Spirit is saying. I, I was just, I'm going to talk more about this next week. I was just talking to some of the prayer leaders that come here twice a week on Saturdays. They're from outside this congregation. And we got to talking about the demonic because they've had some demonic manifestations there in the prayer chapel. And they said one of the things that, that's true of those who are demon oppressed is that they, in, in, the, in, in, in the spiritual realm, it's a matter of authority and submission. And if you're going to walk in Christ, you must submit. And when you, begin, will you, when you will submit to his authority, the demons will flee. And so there needs to be this order of just submitting. And, and saying, in our relationships, God, I submit to you. And that invites the Holy Spirit and drives out the unclean. The things that harass our lives. How many things do we get upset over because we're not following that principle? Of just submitting to Christ when he's speaking to us. He said, listen, if you obey me, you have to submit to him to obey him. When you submit to him in obedience, he sends the spirit of truth, the advocate, to be at work in your life. And you, that you, can't get, you can't pay money for that. And that helps us to do the impossible. And I, I actually, for frankly, just being a guy and being active, I love the fact that, that obedience is a part of this equation because it's concrete. It's something you do. It's not something we sit around and we just kind of hold our arms open and say, and we feel something. It's like, no, God's telling me to do something. I need to go do it. And I like that. This is not, the Holy Spirit is not all just ethereal, intangible. It's real. It's brick and mortar. It's flesh and blood and bone. Okay? Third thing, synchronize. Let's read this together. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So be aware of what God is doing and go with Him. While life in the Spirit has that mystical quality, it's real. So you're going to find yourself alerted to someone's need. He'll do that. Just like Jesus was with Zacchaeus. You're going to find yourself convicted of judgmentalism so that you can be more approachable. And believe me, people feel judged by the way they look and the way they sound and all of that. They really feel that. You're going to discover the grace you need to extend favor to people who you normally judge or, or, or reject. You're going to find a strength and a courage to to boldly speak the truth when you normally cave in and go with the crowd. And I'm not, you have to be obnoxious when you do that. You shouldn't be obnoxious. It's just speaking the truth uh, in love. And he's going to convict you of, of selfishness so that you can be more self-giving. That happens to me all the time when I'm outside in front of my house. It's like, you know, I'm a task-oriented guy. I want to get this done. I want to wash the car, get it done. I want to, I want to mow the lawn, get it done. And it's a little hard for me when I have interruptions. But it's like, Rick, that's the point. You're connecting with neighbors. I mowed the lawn Friday night. It takes two minutes to mow the lawn. It's a postage stamp, my lawn. And, and I'm mowing the lawn. I talked to three neighbors mowing the lawn. And I talked to one. We actually talked about Jesus. Well, I hadn't been outside mowing the lawn. That conversation wouldn't have happened. If I hadn't stopped and say, no, man, I got, I got to get this done. I got to edge and sweep up. I got to get to a, a wedding rehearsal at six o'clock. I'm, I'm, on the, I'm on the clock here. I can't talk to you. It's like, no, that's what this was about. And so be aware of that. So you think, well, what if think about what this can do 
if you and I learn to walk in the spirit so that we love like Jesus. Do you know what? Think about it. It's going it's to, it's going to, it has the potential to save people's lives. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, his only begotten son. He loved, so he gave. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Love leads to salvation. And if you and I are loving people, it's going to lead them to the God who's going to save them. I mean, is that enough motivation? How about this one? Jesus says to his disciples, I give you a new commandment. Love each other the way I've loved you. If you love each other, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So actually, what we do, when we love each other in the, in, in the spirit of God, is that we actually begin to change the um, false perception that people have of who Jesus is, the blurred vision they have of God, because we're loving each other. And when we change their perception of God, we open their heart for them to putting their trust in God, because now he's no longer an ogre, somebody to keep out there. So again, we're moving people towards God. And then also, you know, love. I love that, that scripture in Ephesians 3. It's a prayer about being, you know, knowing the, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. That you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. Listen, if we're filled to all the measure of the fullness of God, what do you think that will do for healing things inside of your life and other people's lives? How many people are broken and hurting and they got stuff from the past? And if they could experience the love of God to that degree in his presence... It's going to heal. It's going to mend what's broken. So there's a lot at stake in us learning how to love like Christ. But the only way we can do it and do this impossible task is to have his spirit alive and working in us. And so I want to challenge you to ask him. Will you say, well, I was sanctified, you know, 35 years ago. Do I still need to do it? Yeah. He says, go on being filled with the spirit. It's not a one-time deal. Folks, we leak. I mean, the reality is, if you were sanctified, I was sanctified, I gave my whole life over to God when I was 17 years old. So I did it 43 years ago. And if I was just relying on that experience, I'd be an empty person. I wouldn't be up here. I've had to be, God, continue to fill me, continue to move in me, continue to work in me. We need to continue this. Okay? And so I want to pray, and uh, why don't we stand as we close today. Ask, obey, synchronize. If anybody just wants to come to the front, you're saying, I've got something right in my head, I need to start asking him, I know what I need to ask God to do, what I need to do. God's telling me to do something, and I've been kind of been holding off, I need him to help me do it. I just invite you to come up here to the front and we're going to pray. Okay, if anybody needs to do this, so just bow your heads. Close your eyes. Come on up if you need to this morning. All right. All right. Amen. So, Father, it's so great to have you that can, you not only tell us what to do, But you help us do it. You not only say it, but you inspire. You empower. You make us new. So, Father, we ask you to fill us with your spirit. You give good gifts. 
Your gift giving far surpasses our gift giving. So this morning, if you just need that, ask him to fill you. And Father, we pray that you'd help us to take that next step in in obedience. Whatever it is this week. You're prompting us to do something. Give us the strength to do it. Give us the power. Give us the grace to say it, to live it, no matter what it is. Lord, to put our own interests aside so that we can give ourselves to somebody else. Help us to obey, Lord, and to keep in step with you wherever you're going. Lord, help us to live the adventure of a follower of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, you give us a vision of when we're living that, that way, that you're going you're gonna to start to change people's lives. You're going to start to get a crack in hard hearts. You're going to start to correct blurred vision in the eyes of people's hearts, removing those cataracts. They're going to start to see you. God, help us to be the people that will, will do that, just your disciples, faithful in everything this week. Help us to see it. We bless you, Father. Go with us. Um, I pray that your, your presence in our lives would be an aroma that blows all throughout Santa Rosa and Sonoma, wherever we are. May, may your light shine. May, may we bring glory to you. And may you be lifted up. And may your face shine upon everyone in this building today as we go out. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 God bless you.